0: Welcome Welcome to to A Pastor's pastor's perspective. Perspective.
1: Now life is full of heartache, struggle, and pain, but the way we see it, we overcome because he overcame. We ought to always pray, and everything that we do, we do it in Jesus' name. Now, a pastor is a shepherd, he's not selfish, he's friendly. He's a, He's a helper. A pastor is a, a teacher. Is a te- Faithful. Faithful. Sensible. He's much more, He's than, much more, just more than just a preacher. A leader. A leader. Well, respected. well respected. And this, and this, well, well, this, this well, well, this, my, my friends, friend,
0: is it's a pastor's, a pastor's
1: perspective. Perspective.
0: Perspective. perspective. All right. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Welcome to a unplanned in advance episode of a pastor's perspective tonight so thank you all who may be on YouTube, Facebook or on our mini or my ministry app. Thank you for joining in on tonight. This was not planned weeks in advance, but I decided to go ahead because it's a topic that's important to me and when we get on next week with my guests We're going to dig a little deeper, so thank you for joining in. Uh, As always, I am your host, Pastor Kelvin Steele, right here at The Pastor's Perspective in Simpsonville, South Carolina. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for being on on tonight. I certainly think that tonight's discussion is going to bless you. going to challenge all of us but it's also going to bless us. I'm certainly looking forward to being with you on tonight (laughs) and spending just a little bit of time with you uh, discussing have we gone too far. So uh our discussion is really going to come out of the book of Judges the second chapter. So if you would go ahead turn to Judges the second chapter, and i'm going to read out of let's get some let's get some sound situated in here judges the second chapter while you're turning go ahead and get to judges 2 and verse 8 judges 2 and verse 8 i think we're going to have a wonderful discussion tonight judges 2 and verse 8 judges 2 verse 8 listen so there we go. A little sound in the background for me. Good evening to everybody that's coming on. Judges 2, verse. Really, let's back it up to Judges 2 and verse 7. And we're going to read just a little bit on tonight, right? So, I'm not coming to preach to you, but we're going to have a discussion. Might turn into a little preaching, but we're going to work with it, all right? Judges 2, verse 7. I'm going to read a few verses, and it's going to come from uh the seventh through about the 11th verse so it simply says and the israelites served the lord throughout the lifetime of joshua and the leaders who outlived him those who had seen all the great things the lord had done for israel so right here it's telling you Joshua, the servant of God, had died, and there were leaders that that outlived him who had seen the same things Joshua had seen. Thank you for joining in. I see out there YouTube, Facebook. If you're on Facebook, go ahead, swipe and share for me. Let's get some people on. Verse 8 says, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. They buried him in the land he had allocated at Tim in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. Verse 10. And after that, that after that generation died, listen here, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge or your Bible may say or did not know the Lord or remember the mighty things that he had done for Israel. This generation of Israel did evil in the Lord's sight and served the Baals, served the images of the Baals. They abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt. They went after other gods, worshiping the gods of the people around them, and they angered the Lord. Listen, I love the Old Testament simply because of the history but I was thinking over the past few weeks, looking at some things that I had been seeing on social media, hearing, participating. I'm right at that middle-aged group now in my, in my mid-40s. And I begin to wonder, have we gone too far? Have we gone too far? Have we lost our way? In Judges, we see, and I'm gonna play a clip for you. That's gonna be about two minutes and 36 seconds. I'm gonna get that queued up for you here in just a moment. Uh, a generation came after Joshua and after the generation after Joshua that didn't know God the same way the generation prior to them knew God. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us whether they trained them, whether they taught them or any of that. It just says a generation grew that didn't know God or remember God that delivered them from Egypt. And so because of that, they begin to go out and do their own things. They begin to serve the gods of the strange land that they were in, But remember, God delivered them and brought them out so they would be a light on a hill, a beacon to the world, that this was a called out nation separated before God. Come on. I feel the Holy Spirit right there. But we're having a discussion. I'm not going to preach. We're having a discussion tonight. And so within that, they forgot God and they forgot that they were supposed to be a separated people, consecrated, and they begin to acclimate to all of the people that were surrounding them. God bless you, thank you for joining on tonight. If you do me a favor, like and share for me on tonight. And so they forgot about God and the Bible says he was angered because this people, his people had forgotten about him. Now, we have to understand, when they forgot about the God of their forefathers, They forgot all of the edicts, all of the commands. They put everything on the back burner that separated them from the other nations. And they began to look sound worship and act like the other nations that God pulled them out for. Now, when we think about us in 2021, and we look at our generations past us, maybe our parents, maybe our grandparents, and we look at how we serve God, our honor for God, have we changed? Have we forgotten the God of our ancestors? Have we forgotten of the God of previous generations? And when we listen to some of the preaching, when we listen to some of the things that we do, it lets you see why God even then would have gotten angry. Now I know we we are not no, we're no longer bound under the law, right? But we still have a way that we serve God, love God, teach God, worship God. That it's supposed to be different, God bless you, thank you for joining on tonight, that's different than the people around us because we're supposed to be a called out body. So what I want to do right here, I want to take a minute and I want to play a clip for you. I want to play a clip for you and I want you to hear and see some of the things and we're going to get into the discussion on tonight. So this clip is about two minutes, hang in there, watch this with me and let's jump into this discussion.
1: to show you that the worst of the storm gets, you have to be able to handle the oh, battle. The worst of the storm they gonna talk about you but will you still stand? Will you still go? Will they push you down? Will they say there is no problem? Uh, she has got an apostle. Uh, will you still... Oh, Mhm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Will you still go? Yeah. If I walk, yeah. will you still go? Yeah. If I say there is no hope for you and you cannot move, will you learn how to go, crawling, and doing what God said do? in the, Devil in the goddamn liar. Do me and say it with you not. Do- and say I know the devil is a goddamn liar. I'm, I'm, I'm not even tripping! I'm not trying to make a statement. I'm not trying. To f- and this time, get your balls back. If you don't get your balls back, you won't have no seed to bring forth no fruit. I didn't come to play today. Somebody shout, I'm getting my balls back getting my ability to produce I'm getting it back, I'm getting it back You can be sissified if you want to But greater is here With your wives That's why they're so distracted by my shirt and jeans Because you ain't giving them none You need to take care of them I'm out here now, I feel the anointing It's a dangerous thing to have an unkept woman If you take care of your woman You would not be worried about what I got on She's thirsty, Feed that lady
0: I'm going to stop right there. First of all, I didn't prepare you all for some of the things that were going to be said in that clip. These messages were in the house of God. This stuff was taking place in the house of God. That language in the house of God. That strange move in the house of God. These things are occurring more and more every day. There were a couple more clips that I didn't have time to edit down and get into it and get into the presentation on tonight. But I want you to imagine our Savior Christ Jesus still being on the earth in a synagogue on a Sabbath day, And someone using that type of language, someone preaching that type of sermon uh, with those types of illustration. Now, even though he's not here in the flesh, he's here with us by his spirit. And we have all of these strange things going on in the church. And it puts me in the mind of the book of Judges when the elders had died off, the people that knew God, the people that remembered his holiness, the people that remembered his wrath, the people that had committed their way to the Lord, they died off and a generation came up. A generation came up, I'm reading right out of Judges 2. A generation came that didn't know God. The Israelites verse 11 in chapter two says, "'Did evil in the Lord's sight and they served other gods. When we look at the things that are going on, and now I wanna make sure I'm clear, this broadcast tonight is not for the world. So if you happen to watch this and you are unsaved, you don't believe in Christ Jesus, uh, you don't believe in the Bible, uh, maybe you're an agnostic, you believe there's something, this is not for you, right? But this is for the people that say we believe in Jesus Christ, that we believe In his word, that is infallible, it's inerrant, and we see so many strange things. We have lost our way. Now, mind you, this is not going on in every church, but with the advent of social media, with televised ministry, with so many things going on, this stuff is so pervasive right now that it's almost seems like it's commonplace. We're finding there's one guy I came across called the cursing preacher. Uh they they're just doing all types of perverse things that we think that they believe, please God. And when we even go into our ministries and churches, they 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 lack order, they lack restraint, they lack discipline, we have to wonder where their spiritual pedigree, come on, someone talk to me out there. You, you, can't, you, you can't tell me you don't see these things happening so much on social media that it doesn't shock you, and that's the problem. I'm going to pause right there, that's the problem. We have become so desensitized that when this stuff is going on, we don't pay it any attention. I'm just talking tonight about have we lost our way. When we look at Judges 2, we find that the children of Israel, a generation grew that didn't know God. Could it be that we have allowed a generation to grow and take the reins that we have not taught them that God is still holy? Have we allowed a generation of pastors and preachers and teachers and even believers to influence a culture or to be so influenced by the by the culture outside of the church that that wickedness is finding its way in a institution that is supposed to be holy? Come on, y'all talk to me out there. When We look at the children of Israel and we trace it all the way back to their father, to our father Abraham. We realize that God pulled Abraham out of a pagan nation, out of a pagan culture to set him up to have a people that would be different, that would be set apart unto him that would be holy, that would be righteous, that would be pure, that would bring glory to his name to show the other nations of the world that there is a people that is called by God. And when we look at, I'll play this clip again in a few minutes, uh, but when we look at what's going on around us, we have absolutely lost our way. I want to touch on some taboo topics, some taboo topics tonight. I want to touch on some taboo topics before I get out of here. One of the things I'm learning, thank you for joining in on tonight, if you would do me the huge honor and share, like, heart, all of those good things. Uh, What I'm seeing over the past few years, if you are someone that wants to stand for holiness. And now holiness doesn't mean you're perfect. It means you're living a way that pleases God according to his word, right? Doesn't necessarily mean some of the things from the previous generations that were misinterpreted, uh, misapplied, And all of those things. But there is a way that a believer who's called from something to something is supposed to present themselves. Now, I knew when I jumped on for this live tonight, it was not going to be very popular uh, that, you know, all of those good things. But that's okay. I got to do what I know to do. And so now when we think about how we present ourselves before Christ or even in the church or to the people outside of the church, there is supposed to be a difference between us and the world. There was a preacher that was on a broadcast. I'm going to cue that clip up here in a moment. I really want you to listen to this. And this preacher began to, to say, there's really not a difference between the sacred and the profane. Now, I'm not going to call his name out or any of that, but I want you, I'm trying to find it here. I want you to listen to what this preacher has to say. Now, first of all, if the secular world is calling us Uh, onto their broadcast, the first question has to be why, right? Why do they want to hear from me? Do they want to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ or are they in love with my message? Now, here's the problem. If the world loves us, then something is wrong. Come on. If the world loves us, something is wrong and this particular minister of the gospel began to say there is no difference that it's all the same and that we should loosen up we shouldn't be so rigid i'm not making this stuff up i'm not making this stuff up before i get into my points i want you to hear this this clip is about two minutes i want you to hear what this preacher had to say thank you for joining in take a moment and listen to what this preacher has to say all right faithful people um
2: you know very faithful grew up in church my mother my father again another generation of christianity and i kind of inherited the faith initially and then i made a decision in college to stay with the faith mm. um we're my generation some of these millennials and younger people we're not as rigid in right. our beliefs right like we will listen to cardi b and turn on gospel Right. In a matter of two minutes. They might be on the same playlist. Like, oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. my God, what? Because for us, we've really embraced some African traditions, and that is there is no separation mm. between secular and sacred. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, 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 it's been a diffusion over time between sacred and, and secular because the truth is it's all sacred. African traditions, uh, particularly in our community, Give us space to say they're sacred and everything like you can hear a rapper get up and get an award and he just cussed and called girls B's and H's Mm -hmm. and he wins an award for his song Mm -hmm. and he'll get up and say, hey, y'all, I just want to thank God for giving me this gift. And we like, (laughs) Whoa, right, 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 right. But but it's very profound because he does not separate. God giving him a gift to what is sung and maybe perpetuated in his music, like even if it, it is, is kind of edgy. edgy, even right, if I it's even right if I, cuss, even if I even did if I did throw some stuff in that might be you know, you know, know look that is look risque secular right, or more right. or risque or, risque, or, or, or profane. profane i know god I I know gave, god the gave me the, the gift, gift to wrap. To wrap. i know god, I know god his, his music, right, so right. no god gave me this music so there's no separation mm-hmm. so you can so you see younger younger fans i'm going to go out here twerk, twerk myself enjoy my club and, I, and i'll go to and church I'll go to next, next day, next day. Mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. and right. god is and in the
1: collection plate absolutely all right
2: all right now I, I, I really, I, I, think I really my think my generation, and my generation and and our, age and our age group, we're like, no, we'll like, no don't, don't try to don't separate what's yeah. secular, secular, and secular, and secular books, books. It's all, all and God is, mm-hmm. God, God is in it all. Uh, uh, our, our older generation, generation, they were more. This is how you drink. This is how you talk. You have to marry this person. You can't love, you know, same gender relationships. Oh no, oh, Bibles against it. And we're like, we're like, but y'all do know God is too big to be little. Right, right. Y'all do know that God is love, and you can't control people, and that is so, science has impacted, has impacted us. Impacted us. Uh, updates, updates. research has impacted us. Right. People are growing. People are evolving. And some right. people are against it. But the newer generation, I think, are saying, hey, God is so big, so loving. Uh, let's stop judging people by who they love, how they dress, how they talk, what they believe. Mm-hmm. And let's be bigger than that. Jesus is too big to be little, even. Parents.
0: So I don't know. I I got a message that the echo was bad. I hope it cleared up at the end. Uh, Once again, this was a pastor that basically was saying there is no difference between the sacred. (laughs) I can't do anything but laugh and the profane that there is no difference. Now, I didn't do a whole lot of scripture research. I didn't pull up a whole lot, but I do want to share a couple things with you there is a difference between what is acceptable to God from his children and what the unregenerated present. Because if they are not saved, they are of their father, the devil. So there can't be a presentation from them to God that is acceptable. But when those that are called out of the darkness into the light begin to produce a strange fire, we know historically in the text that God will not take a strange fire. Listen, so I didn't pull up a whole lot of scripture. I want to share a couple of things. So if there's no difference between the sacred and the profane, what do we do with Ezekiel 44:23? 23? Look at what the prophet says. Look what the Lord is saying to the prophet. They will teach my people the difference between what is holy and profane and show them how to distinguish between unclean and the clean. If there is no difference, come on, y'all, help me out there. If there is no difference, then why would the Lord make a, tell his prophet, we got to show him, we've got to teach him. There has to be a difference between the sacred and the profane. And we have a preacher of the gospel here saying that there is none, How scary is that? How scary is that? How scary is that for a pastor to say there is no difference between what the world does and what the church does and that all are acceptable? And then what he tried to do is turn it around and say, well, it's his generation, the millennial generation uh, that doesn't see the things uh, like his mother did or his grandmother did or his grandfather did. Doesn't that sound like, once again, I'm sorry, I'm getting a little old. Let me put my reading glasses on. Doesn't that sound like Judges, the second chapter and the 10th verse after that generation died? Another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. And listen to what verse 11 says. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight and served the images of Baal. Now, these were the people that God had chosen. God had set apart. God had brought out God had delivered there is a difference beloved and we must not be ashamed to be able to stand up and say I'm a believer in Christ Jesus right uh, and I live a, by a certain code and a certain standard now here is what we want to we want to delineate because sometimes, When people want to do what they want to do, they will label their brothers and sisters with something that should not be a negative connotation. So when you're someone that wants to live a standard, live by a standard, they will call you now church folk. (laughs) They'll say the church folk, the church folk. Well, just yesterday you said you are the church. So now when I'm living a standard or want to stand by a standard, a written standard now, even Christ had a standard, I'm the church folk. Or they'll call you the religious folk or they'll say you are legalistic. Now, there are people, there are preachers, there are institutions that have checklist religion and they try to keep you bound under the letter of the law. Now, what I understand, if you're going to obey one part of it, you got to obey all of it amen but that's a lesson for another day but people that just want to please god and obey god and do the things that the bible says not because of some type of checklist but because you've grown in relationship with god you understand his word and you understand he's a god of standards and so you realize there's got to be a difference. Come on, somebody talk to me out there between the sacred and the profane. Once again, I knew that this was not going to draw people because this is not popular, this is not sexy, this is not attractive because we live in a, in a, in a Christian relationship now where we say things like, I'm losing my religion, well, religion in itself is not bad. It's the people that attempt to do things outside of God's plan that makes it corrupt. God in its perfect in his perfect essence is not corrupt. He's not wrong. He's given us standards, he's given us guidelines, he's given us a way to live that prevents us from falling off and getting into situations that we don't wanna be in. What do you mean, Pastor Kelvin? When you look at Judges Judges 2, you'll find, thank you for joining, please do me a huge honor and share. You'll find that when they forgot about God and they begin to Acquiesce, or they begin to give in to the nations and the cultures and the pagan nations around them that God's favor left them, God's favor left them. And they found themselves in grave danger. They found themselves in problems. And once again, I know the argument will be, well, pastor, we're not under the law. I mean, look, Jesus came, but listen, there's still a way that we are supposed to carry ourselves in obedience to the Christ that we say we love. And if anyone tells you that there is not a difference, they're lying to you. Look at what the prophet says. They will teach my people the difference between what is holy and profane and show them how to distinguish between the unclean and the clean. And I didn't do a whole lot of digging. I just went into a couple of verses. Look at Leviticus 10.10. You must distinguish between the holy and the common, between the clean and the unclean. we we must be separated if we are, can I just use an example, alcohol? I know that's kind of a thing. Uh, If we're going to be drunkards like we were before we got saved, I'm not talking about someone that's dealing or wrestling with the demon of alcoholism, right? And they're wrestling. I'm talking about if we just want to be like we used to be, still go out in the club, still do the things that we used to do, uh, get drunk and do the things how we used to live, why bother Getting saved. I'm talking about of of our own volition, of our own will, deciding to live a way that is contrary to the word of God. When I heard this pastor say there is no difference, and try to play it off as if the generation previous to him was too rigid. Sometimes the things that they did, you know, and said. It wasn't really Bible. I get that. But some of it protected us from the wickedness that we didn't know was ahead. Come on. Somebody talk to me out there. Look at what what Paul says. Look at what the Bible says here. Look at what 1 Corinthians says. Paul says it this way. All things are lawful to me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful to me, but I will not be brought under the power of anything. So here Paul is saying, sure, you may have some liberty. We may have some freedom. They may not be unlawful, but how are they helping you? If trying to find liberty in Christ, you utilize that liberty and that grace in order to sin. Have we made the grace of God of non-effect? God forbid. Have we gone too far, beloved, with this liberty that we preach in the kingdom of God right now? When preachers can, I showed the clip just a little bit ago, when pastors can preach messages and say the devil is a GD liar, or uh, you got to get your male parts back in order to stand up and use words that we shouldn't use. Doesn't the Bible teach that evil communication corrupts good manners? How do we then, with a clear conscience before God, bring unholy acts into his temple and try to hide it under creativity and ingenuity? Y'all talk to me out there. I read the Bible. I believe I read where it says if he be lifted up, Jesus, I be lifted up. I'll draw all men. So where have we lost it? Where have we lost it? Now, let me let me let me go ahead and go ahead and touch these touchy subjects on tonight. I'm going to touch some touchy subjects on tonight. Let's deal with dress code for a moment. Let's deal with dress code right now. I'm sitting in the sanctuary. I have on um, a pair of my favorite sneakers, some athletic pants, an athletic jacket. And a shirt, right? Uh, Would I personally stand up and preach like this? Possibly depending on the service, right? Would it be something I would do every day or every week? I don't know. Do I believe it's something that's going to send me to hell? Nah, not really. But there is a way I believe that I should present myself not only for church, but because I love God. Can I say that again? I believe there is a way that I should present myself, not simply because I'm coming to church, synagogue, temple, but because I love God. And the whole foolishness that it's legalism and control, you shouldn't want to look like what you came out of. There's got to be some distinguishing between you and them. Just because the world wears jeans and you wear jeans doesn't mean you look like the world. But if there's a certain standard that goes with how I wear something that relates me to a lifestyle God brought me out of, I should no longer want to wear my apparel in a way that ties me to a life that God brought me out of. Y'all, I know y'all quiet out there, but it's the truth. Your jeans are not going to send you to hell. Your dress shirt is not going to send you to hell. Your sneakers are not going to send you to hell. Let's, let's, let's make that clear. But how are you presenting yourself as a convert? Come on, come on, come on. How are you presenting yourself in the temple of God? I would like to submit to you today from my perspective, my perspective, I see you out there, elder, amen. I would like to present to you the church now, the, the the modern church, is the only place where dress code and standard is a taboo and a bad word. If I work at Mickey D's, there's a dress code. If I work at Burger King, there is a standard. If I work where I work, there is a standard. If you work at the hospital, there is a standard. You don't go to the you don't go to the hospital uh, if you are a doctor, if you are working at the front desk and present yourself like you just came from the nightclub. Come on, y'all, talk to me. So if we can reconcile that, if we can reconcile that, why is it we have such a hard time as believers? reconciling, there should be a way that I present myself to God when I come to worship. Why is it so hard to accept the fact there should be a way I present myself as a believer, as a man of God, as a woman of God? It's not wrong to cover yourself. Come on. I, 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 I put something out there one time. Uh, And I didn't get a lot of backlash, but I got a little and I'm learning to get used to that. And what I was addressing was there is a way that women of God dress. There is a way that men of God dress. And I'm not talking necessarily about brand label fashion. Right. But I'm talking about how we present ourselves. So do I present myself as a woman of God like Cardi B or do I present myself like a woman of God from Proverbs 31? Uh, or do I present myself with the modest apparel, as the Bible says? As a man of God, do I present myself like the corner I just came off of or do I pull my pants up? Come on. There is a way uh, that we should present ourselves as believers. I know. I know it's a sacred cow and there's some believer out there will say, but the Bible says come as you are. The Bible has never said that. The Baptist preacher said that so you wouldn't be uncomfortable where you were at the time. But after a certain time, there should be a transition from where you were to where you are. Well, Pastor, what if that's all I have? then you come to God with what you have until you can do better. Don't allow, you know, I'm just going to say it. And I don't mean any disrespect to anybody because there are a lot of God fearing people uh, out there. But some of us are just scared to preach the truth because our livelihood is tied to how many people show up on Sunday or Saturday. And so not to offend anybody, we'll tell them what they want to hear and not God's word. But if you are if you're a person of God, there is a way that you're supposed to carry yourself. There is a standard. Yes, there is. Yes, there is your reputation, your dress code, how you communicate, how you look. Listen to things that you participate in, even down to being a busybody in everybody's business. You have your place in the lake. Have we gone too far in forgetting the standards that God has given us? Y'all talk to me out there, just like the children of Israel did in Judges 2. After a generation died off, Joshua was gone. The generation that lived with Joshua was gone. And the next generation grew up that didn't know God. And here now is the challenge. Here's the challenge. I believe, I believe, I believe that those of us that are older and know the landmarks, it is up to us to hold the line. It is up to us to hold the line. Now, I understand there was a sound in my day uh, that I grew up on, and sounds may change, but the message within the sound should not change. It should always remain Jesus at the center of it all. I understand there's going to be an inspirational sound, a joyful sound. But at the end of the day, the sound should all come back and center on Jesus. Everything shouldn't be about your haters. Everything shouldn't be about your boyfriend, your girl. It should be Jesus at the center of it all. And that's the core of tonight's discussion is have we forgotten Christ at the center? It's so much about what God is going to do. God has done what he was supposed to do by sending his son to die on Calvary's cross. Our responsibility is to remember him in how we think, how we move, how we act, how we present ourselves. Come on, y'all, talk to me out there. Have we gone too far? I'm gonna leave dress code alone for a moment and I'm gonna go to order. i want to just deal with order. So I played a clip where a, uh, a supposed apostle was licensing or ordaining? I don't know what what they were doing. Uh, someone else into the ministry, and they begin to beat them with the Bible. Uh, they pushed them down. They stepped on them. And I really don't know what they were doing at the end of it. It looked a little suspect to me. There is an order in God's church now. Oftentimes, believers will say, or people will say this when there's a truth they don't want to accept. They'll say something like this. That's why people don't come to church. And I I take uh, an objection to that because people are coming to church. The ones that don't want to come sometimes are offended at a truth they don't want to accept. And here's the thing. I want anyone that hears this tonight or tomorrow or later need to understand. God's truth does not have to be watered down so you can digest it. God's truth does not have to change to please you. God's word does not have to be changed so you are not meant to feel uncomfortable. Now, there is a way that his message should be delivered, amen, but his message does not have to change because you have a personal problem with it. And I often wonder what are they teaching in seminary these days, because some of the stuff these people are coming out of seminary with is counterintuitive to Scripture. It is so subjective that it has no objective or redeeming quality to it. It's almost like a, it's more of what we're giving people is inclusion, delusion and confusion. Yeah, it seems like that's what we're giving people. Inclusion, everybody's included, everybody's included. Just come on in to the GOAT rodeo. It's okay. Every and they're confused, and then we're giving them delusion. Come on. Y'all know I'm talking good out there. Delusion, inclusion, and confusion. And we don't have a standard. There's no order. And you know, people will say, well, there's order in a church, they'll tell you that's controlling. No. You can't stand up in the middle of service and start barking like a dog. I'm sorry, you're out of order. No, I know you believe God is speaking to you right now, but I'm in the middle of the message from the written word of God. So any inspiration you think you have is going to come subject to the written word and you're going to come subject in the house. When I just can't control myself. Then you don't have the Holy Ghost because one of the fruits of the spirit is self-control. Come on. I was just in the church and I just, I can't control. Well, then that's not the Holy Ghost. That's not the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost is orderly. The Holy Ghost is going to cause you to disrupt the presentation of the gospel for someone to be saved. What you have is a spirit called attention and you need to have a mic in your hand and in your face and be in front of people so you can be seen as a wonder. Y'all, y'all, come on. Come on! Come on! Come on! Come on! Have we gone too far? There is such a disorder where prof, where these so-called prophets, uh, you don't want to be subject; they don't want to be taught. All you want to do is prophesy. All you want to do is prophesy. And I want to, I want to bring caution to people that are saying you are always hearing God speak. You're always hearing a voice, and what you're hearing is not aligning to the written word, you need to be very careful. I'm concerned about those of you uh, traveling that don't have a pastor that you are subject to who can teach you and pour into you. I am concerned. I am concerned you wake up hearing a voice. You go to bed hearing a voice. All through the night you're hearing a voice. You hear God more than Abraham did. Come on now. You are hearing God more than Isaiah did. And you're talking about you've got some new revelation. What new revelation could you possibly have that's not already in the book? Oh, I know we're going to drop off there because today is the day that everybody is a prophet everybody everybody you can't end a sermon unless somebody they've got a word outside of the written word that's going to outshine the written word what could you possibly have to say that is more important than what's in the word of god come on come on come on paul taught us paul said the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. If one prophet has a word or if one man of God has a word, let him be silent while the other one weigh weigh the word until such time you get the opportunity and catch it. You may not get the opportunity, but if God is speaking, it should confirm what he's spoken to you. How are we both in the same house and got two different words? I'm concerned about that. And a lot of that is because you don't have a covering to protect you from the foolishness that you're getting in. Do you not understand that the shepherd and I, you know, I didn't mean for this lesson to go this way. The shepherd is designed to cover you and teach you in the ways of God called after God's own heart to help protect and cover you from that foolishness. That is God has an order of checks and balances to ensure that his church is not made a mockery, but that his church is a glorious church. Lord, thank you. God, send the people on tonight. Somebody needs to hear this. God's church should not be a side show. And that's what a lot of us have turned it into. We have turned Sunday morning worship. If you observe the Sabbath of the Sabbath, excuse me, you're a Sabbath observer and you've turned it into a side show. The word of God can't be taught. People can't listen. People can't be trained because we've turned it into a big side show. Let me share something. Many, many years ago, I was uh, in Columbia and I went to a church and they had a visiting prophet. And uh, the the, the person of God was indeed hearing something. They heard. She prophesied some things that was accurate, right? But within the service, people were, I'm not exaggerating, people were on the floor slithering like a serpent, doing this, like a serpent, barking. I'm not exaggerating, barking, making strange animal noises. And the people thought they were having church. You can't take me to the scripture and find where that is normal. You can't find that. You can't find it. What needed to happen was the pastor needed to take charge of that service and start casting out demons because that prophet ushered in a strange spirit. And this is what we see today. Whenever we get away, like the children of Israel, whenever we get away from the way God has intended it, we see strange moves. And I see that a lot in even a lot of our our verbiage and cliches and quick whips that we put up. Thank you for joining on tonight. That we put up, they they are inspirational, but they are not biblical. Come on now, your cue in the Bible is how you feel. And so what we do is we go to the text to find the scripture to cosign how we feel. But the text was never designed to cosign how you feel. The text was designed to give us order and structure so that we remain in the will of God. If we don't do that, we'll get what we saw in those earlier clips that I showed you. You'll get people cursing in the church and saints co-signing it. That's right. Preach, pastor. How are you going to co-sign somebody in the in the pulpit behind the podium cursing? Because it sounded good with the organ because he had that good voice and we co-sign it. Y'all, come on. Come on, come on, come on. God, send the people that need to hear this. We must understand we are going too far in the name of trying to be relevant to a culture we don't need to be relevant to. If Jesus isn't enough, what will be? Because what will happen, we will try to be so relevant that it won't be enough that we'll need to do this, we'll need to do that. We'll start to bring secular people into the church and have them doing things in the church and they don't love God. And you think you're blessing the people, you're helping the people know what we are doing is in an attempt to be relevant to a world that hates our God, we are losing the standards that God expects us to maintain. And I'm sorry, beloved, I'm sorry to all of you. I don't believe in rules and religion. Then you don't want a relationship with God. If you don't believe in rules, if you don't believe in guidelines, If you don't believe in standards, I have a question. If you are a man that's married to a woman and you are a believer in Christ Jesus and you're talking about, I don't believe in rules, I don't believe in guidelines, I don't believe in all this structure, all this legalism, then why don't you just go out and cheat on your wife? Why don't you become polyamorous? Come on. Why don't you just go out here and, 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 and let your wife get another man and, and, and do whatever she wants to do? You won't do that because there's a rule and guideline wherever there is covenant, there are understood guidelines. Y'all come on, wherever there is true relationship, there are guidelines to maintain the structure of the relationship. So people that are telling you, I ain't no rules, ain't no religion, then how do you have a relationship? I'm not talking about this absurd stuff uh that some preachers used to preach years ago, but I am talking about we have gone too far, and because we were trying to be so i believe now this is Kelvin talking we were trying to be so relevant that we 've raised up a people and a generation with no checks and balances, just like we hear we see in judges that didn 't know God like we knew God, the orderly God. Have you ever asked yourself, and i 'm not saying. And I'm not saying this is not happening because I know that it's happening, but have you wondered to yourself, why on, if we're gathering on Sundays or Saturdays and there are two or three and he's gonna be in the midst, why aren't we seeing televised and documented more miracles? Why aren't we seeing more blinded eyes opened? Why aren't we seeing demons being cast out? And I know church isn't all demonstration because it has to be word, but it has to be balanced with word and demonstration because there's no way Christ can be involved. There's no way his spirit can be involved and there's not some type of supernatural exchange. Even just through the teaching of the word, If standards, if there's not guidelines, if they're not principles that we don't follow by the word, then why aren't we seeing the miracles? Why aren't we seeing the signs and wonders? Now, I wanna make sure that I paint the picture clear here because there there are churches that have no guidelines and they're seeing signs and wonders. Uh, But you do know Satan can come with all lying signs and deceivable wonders, right? and because the church i shouldn't say the church but because we have forgotten the word of god because we have left standards guidelines and principles to the side to embrace a more new age doctrine and guideline we even got y'all y'all going to get upset with me but i love you enough to tell you the truth paul says do you hate me now because i tell you the truth we some of the church are even embracing new age philosophies we've got christians born again believers who testify Jesus Christ are talking karma. You don't find karma in the Bible and somebody will say, well, it's the same thing. No, we believe in the laws of sowing and reaping. Karma comes out of another religious system that deals with another God. And when you deal with karma, you deal with another life, you deal with coming back as something else, you deal with a whole lot of things that are counterintuitive to the Jesus that we believe in. Come on, y'all. Come on. Come on. Hate me now because I tell you the truth. We are saying things. There's a light. There's a spirit. I'm spiritual. Uh, You you what? I'm spiritual. I'm not religious. I'm spirit. Well, I, I'm sorry that maybe you've had a bad experience in the Christian religion or the Christian faith, whatever you want to call it, a follower of Jesus. But your you spirit after whom, whose spirit are you following? Put a name on it, put a name on it, put a name on it, put a name on it. And you know, there are songs, even songs. Can I deal with some stuff? Am I blessing y'all out there today? I hope that I am. And those of you that may see this later, I pray that this blesses you. You know, we call on God. I'm even wearing a shirt that says, I'm not worried because God is with us. But at the end of the day, there's only one name under the heaven whereby men shall be saved. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. I know we can get into translation, transliteration, but guess what? His name is Jesus. The son of the living God. Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, Jesus, who died on Calvary's cross. And guess what? He even said, if you love me, keep my commandments. What are you going to do with that? There are no rules. There's no guidelines. There's no, okay. He said, Jesus, the Jesus that you said, if you love me, you'll do what I say. And wherever there, are, there is a lack of boundaries, there are a lack of guidelines, there are a lack of principles that we follow, we'll get the foolishness that we see now. And so now I'm going from order and I want to now go into spiritual pedigree because where there is no order, where there are no standards, where there are not proper people in place developing and training, we will get and listen to my context a bastardized version of people in leadership because they have no history. We will get men and women who will be raised up, never called by God or possibly called by God, but never submitted to an order or a structure, but only a feeling. I feel like this and be careful of those people. Well, I feel like God is want me to do this. I feel like I need to do that. I feel, well, what does the word of God say? Take your feelings to the word of God. And while I'm not, you know, uh, so forth and so on. And don't go to the text to eisegete. Don't go to the text to find your perspective. Go to the Bible. Find what God is saying in the entirety of the chapter, not just the verse, and compare what God said to how you feel and you will get the answer for your life. Come on, come on. Anyone that doesn't want to take what they believe they feel and hear to the Bible, you've got nothing to tell me. And then well, I just believe it doesn't, it doesn't apply. Well, didn't the Bible say he's the same yesterday, today, and forever? Now, God don't change, and I understand there are shifts that happen, but even those shifts stay true to the integrity of who God is. Because if God changes, everything else has to change. Because whatever he says is, whatever he is, is. He's just God. And so it can't be different. There is no shadow of turning in who he is. So though there may be shifts, the core of who God is and what God has intended will be. And we can't change that to suit our preferences. I don't care what you believe. I don't care what you think. What does the Bible say? Have we gone too far? Have we raised the people, Judges the second chapter, that don't know God? They know spirituality. They know their feelings. They know sideshow antics. They know charisma. Come on. They know all of this, but they don't want to apply it to the written word of God. And as a pastor myself, I have to be equally, I have to be doubly careful and mindful of the things I feel and the things I personally think, because just because it's a conviction to me doesn't mean it's true for everybody else. I'll deal with that at another time. Amen. But then there are things that God has said that Jesus has implemented through the beatitudes, through what he taught that we cannot get away from, that he used through that he spoke through his apostles which have been canonized by scripture, which I don't care how much Greek or Hebrew you try to go and try to find a word to try to change the context of what the apostles have said Because the apostles were the ones that established through the written word. Amen. Because the word is God breathed. God used them to establish his word. Come on. That we may have a standard in 2021 by which we manage God's church and which we manage our lives. If you don't want a standard, you don't want God. Come on. My bishop, my bishop would say truth anyhow. The truth of God cannot be or should not be modified because you disagree. Well, I just don't think. Well, when you start doing that, you're going too far and you're dealing too loosely with the text. You have to pull your feelings out of it. Now, I know we deal with the issues of the day and we go to the Bible to see what the Bible is saying, to see what God is saying then for now. Amen. And we have to take that and put it in a way that is palatable for the people to understand, digest, process and implement. But we cannot take delusion, confusion and inclusion and call it the gospel. Come on. Come on. Y'all talk to me out there. Come on, somebody, I see it out there, somebody type truth, it's truth anyhow. Just because you don't agree, doesn't mean the Bible wrong. Just because you don't wanna accept it, doesn't mean the Bible is wrong. Well, I know what I feel and I know what happened. I was in my bedroom and an angel came to me. Well, Paul said, if I or any angel come to you and try to give you any other gospel than what we've already preached, let them be anathema. Let them be what? Accursed. Paul made it clear Now we can't pick and choose when we're going to accept God's apostles. Christ's apostles. Come on now. We're either going to accept it all or we're going to accept it none. Either take the bath water or throw it all out. Paul said if anybody, if me or an angel comes to you with another gospel than what was already preached, let them be accursed. When you take God's word and try to add your own personal feelings into what the word has already clearly denoted and said, you are treading on dangerous grounds. And as a matter of fact, this is where we get all of these strange religions, all of these strange things. Now, I'm not talking to anybody. If you don't believe in Christ Jesus, this live is not for you. If you're never, if you listen, if your heart is set against not believing, I pray that the Holy Spirit touch you, change you and convert you, that you do believe that there's only way to God. And that's through Christ Jesus. But if not, then you know what what I'm saying is not applicable to you. But for those of us that say Jesus is our savior, then you have to accept the entirety of his word. You have to it. You have to not just he's going to give you a house, not just He's going to give you a car. But how does he expect you to live? Come on, come on, come on, come on. How does he expect you to live? What does he expect you to do? I'm coming through it. I'm coming through it. I'm coming through it. I pray that this is blessing you. And then we get in. Once again, I'm dealing with spiritual pedigree. Where do these preachers come from? Where are these prophets coming from? Where are these apostles coming from? Where is your? Who was your father? What church did you go to? Who did you learn under? Great that you, I'm glad you know you went to so-and-so school, but where did you come from? Where's your spiritual lineage? Some of y'all came from the lineage of Reverend Ike because some of the stuff you're teaching is not new. Reverend Ike taught it in the 70s, but the believers aren't doing their due diligence to see it's a con game. Y'all, oh, 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 oh. Oh, come on, come on. I'm just giving you a pastor's perspective. Some of you all, there was a a, a, a a movie I watched and I would suggest if you can find it, go back and watch it. A guy by the name, his name was Marjo Gortner. Marjo Gortner. And he did a tour. This was in the 70s, late, early, late 70s, maybe early 80s. And he had cameras fall, follow him around. And what Marjo Gortner was, he was a child evangelist. So he was a little boy and his parents took him around to preach and he and the parents made their living off of that. When he got older and the people stopped coming, this is all he knew. And so he was also an actor and he did a lot of different things. And so what he did, he did a tour and he went into lots of different churches showing the con that these people, and they were falling for it because there was no one discerning what was going on. Who was his pastor? We don't know. He was a child evangelist and we just took it at face value. And he went into churches, ripping people off, doing all sorts of things because no one traced where he came from. No one asked questions. No one did a background check. Pastor, you gotta be careful just because they're a wonder on Facebook. They could be a devil at home. Pastor, just because they're a wonder on YouTube, they could be a demon in the street. Don't al- listen, you may see me Do do a bet. Where did Kelvin Steele come from? Who was his pastor? Where did they come from? Where did he submit? Who is he submitted to? Who are the voices in his life? Before you start opening up your eyes, ears, and hearts to these people that are sent by the devil with a strong delusion, and many of you God-loving, Jesus-loving people are under a delusion because you're saying, There's no rules. There's no regulation. There's no standard. I can do what I want to do. I can say what I want to say. If I cuss, it's all right. And the Bible clearly says it. And I'm not perfect family. Let me make sure. Let me give that disclaimer. I should have put that below. I'm not perfect. But the Bible says evil communication corrupts good manners. And now what we do, we give an excuse in grace. Well, God knows your heart. Yeah, God knew those words were already in your heart. That's why they came out of your mouth. The devil didn't make you curse. You wanted to curse. You wanted to use those words. You wanted to be vulgar. You wanted to be blue. And what we want to do, we want to have one foot in and one foot out with God, but you wouldn't tolerate that in a relationship. If you were in a relationship with someone, man, if you were dating a woman, woman, if you're dating a man, if you're married, you wouldn't deal with someone that had one foot in the relationship and one foot out, either they're gonna be committed to you and prove to you they're committed to you through relationship by loving you, treating you right, honoring you, learning you, finding out what pleases you, finding out what makes you happy, finding out what makes you sad and trying to do the lesser of making you sad and the more of making you happy. So I have a question for those of you that say there are no rules, there are no guidelines. If you won't tolerate that from your wife, if you wouldn't tolerate that from an employee, why would God tolerate that for you, from you? Why is it acceptable for us to think God will take any sacrifice, come on, come on, come on. God will take anything from us and it's okay under grace. I'm going to pause there for a moment. Why is that acceptable? Why is that okay? Have we gone too far? If I take you over, I know where it comes from. I pray this is blessing, somebody. I'm going to take you over to the book of Jude. And I want to look at Jude. I'm, 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 I hope y'all don't mind me taking my time. You can come back to the live if you need to. Jude, the, it's only one chapter. Jude 1, and I'm at the fourth verse, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. He says, I say this because some ungodly people, listen to what he says, have wormed their way into your churches, saying that the marvelous grace of God allows us to live immoral lives. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago but they have denied our only master. Look at how he says it, our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to read that to you again. I'm going to read that to you again. Jude 1. Now you say the Bible, you accept the Bible. What I'm saying to you tonight is straight from the word of God. I'm not making it up. I'm not giving you my opinion. I'm talking to you as someone that's a sinner saved by grace, someone that needs God to keep him every day, someone that's not perfect, but striving to please God. But understand there is a standard. Jude 4. the first chapter, the only chapter in Jude, the fourth verse. I say this, the fourth verse, I say this because some ungodly people, listen to this, have wormed their way into your churches, saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. The Bible is telling you that there are going to be false people coming into God's house, worming their way, in. Sleazy people coming into the, the church telling you that you can do, say, live, act, be what you want to be, and it's covered under grace. Well, if I, here's the problem I have. Here's the problem I have. When I was really out there, I was out there. Have I made bad mistakes as someone that saved absolutely things that I would, I'm so ashamed of, but thank God for forgiving me and restoring me. Absolutely. I don't glory in my transgressions. I don't glory in my sin, but here the word is saying, let me go back to this point. If I could do what I was doing before I gave my life to Jesus and still get the benefits of being in Christ as a believer, why do I need the sinner's prayer? Why do I need to repent? Why do I need to renounce it? If Christ died, his blood covers everything, his grace is going to cover everything that I do. Why do I even need to bother with the Bible? Why do I need to repent? Why do I need to be taught? I should just live my best life uh, in sin, in the flesh, and forget about the word of God, forget about the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, and just do what I want to do. Since there are no rules, there are no regulations, there are no standards, there are no guidelines, I- I know this isn't popular I know this isn't popular and I know somebody's going to say Pastor Kelvin is being legalistic he's being controlling he's being dominating he's talking old church he's one of those religious folk he's a he's one of those church folk because like I said earlier when they call you church folk or religious that's supposed to mean bad now call me church folk I just want to please Jesus. I just want to please the Lord. I want to make sure when I see God that I'm not held accountable because I led somebody's soul to hell because I gave them grace in an area where God wanted them to live right. Grace is there for you to get better. Grace isn't there for you to stay as you are. Come on. Come on. Grace is not the visa card for you to continue to do what Christ died to give you authority over in his name. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm just reading you the word of God. Can I read it one more time? I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches. Pastor, who have you brought into your church that has bewitched your people? To you saints online, and I hate to say it, but I'm going to say it. I, I, I love you. In the, some of you all need to stop going to all these conferences and go to church. Because all these, some not all, some of these conferences are just designed to get your money, fill you with lies, and send you back to us pastors who have to preach that hell off of you and out of you. Come on. I'm not saying they're bad, but some of you need to stop going to those and go to church where you can be taught of the Lord, where you can be fed by the shepherd God has assigned. And the shepherd is not the we are not God. We're not Jesus. We're not the Holy Spirit. But there is a grace that God gives to those he has authentically chosen from his heart to shepherd his people. And he lets he downloads what they need. Come on now. Come on now. Come on now. This is the will of God. Come on, I know it's not popular speak, but it's the truth. And then what you have, you have bastardized pastors, you have bastard children all over the place that are, are giving you a bastardized gospel. They haven't read the word. They don't know the word. They don't study the word. They're not like Paul, who the Bible says, set at Gamaliel's feet to learn the law. At least he was a student of the law and he understood it. So when Christ converted him, he could take the law and help them understand Jesus Christ and all of these other different things. That's another discussion for another day. But listen, we, You got to know the word of God or you're going to fall for people that say they're spiritual. God says that's great, but what does the word say, man of God? Have we gone too far with this thing? When you are comfortable standing in God's house, cursing in your sermon, we've gone too far. When you are comfortable using over-sexualized terminology in the house of God, in your sermons, we have gone too far. When you are comfortable, you know, listen, once again, I don't think your genes are gonna send you, now this is me, if, you, if genes is what you have, genes is what you have. But now I'm talking about when you're coming to the church, presenting your flesh in a way that could cause your brother or sister to stumble, who's coming to church to be taught so they don't, You've now become what we're preaching against, a stumbling block. Well, they shouldn't be looking at me. Come on now. Come on now. Can I be honest? Just because you got saved doesn't mean you lost your natural nature. I was teaching this Sunday. Uh, you know, a lot of people think just because you got saved, God was you, God was just gonna magically take your nature away. That as a man, you just th- once once you got saved, you thought women were no longer going to be attractive. The devil is a liar. Uh, when you got saved, a woman, you thought men weren't gonna be as attractive to you. The devil is a, is a liar. That is a that is natural, that is nature, that is something God has put on you for men to be attracted to women and for a man to have a wife. Amen. 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 And for a woman to have a husband. Amen. So that attraction is there. But when you present yourself in a way that causes a man or a woman, because we do put a lot of uh, 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 emphasis on the women, but men, when you, you, you come with them too tight, too in your private parts amen and these women who are trying to remain safe have to deal with that and they're already dealing with their natural inclinations but now we're putting them in a position where they can't come to the church and be safe because we're putting our flesh on parade like we're back at the club. that's wrong The Bible says it this way lay aside the weight and the sin. Some things are not sin, but some things awaits, and your flesh can be a stumbling block for somebody. So yes, we want to put our put ourselves in a position where be fashionable, be trendy, amen. But you got to remember your brothers and sisters who are trying to live for God. You don't know who God just delivered uh, from, from from some type of issue. that's not my problem. No, 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 no. The Bible teaches esteem somebody else, esteem them more highly than yourself. And so when I present myself, I want to present myself in a way that God is pleased. I'm pleased and that I'm not causing someone else to stumble. Y'all don't want to hear me. Y'all don't want to hear me. There's a place for everything. There's a time for everything. There's a season for everything. But when you don't feel the conviction of God, we have gone too far. We see now poor doctrine, poor teaching. If anything is longer than 30 minutes, it's too much. If anything convicts us, it's not of God. I'm not talking about condemnation. The Bible says, therefore, there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Amen. But there's nothing wrong with conviction. Conviction should come. Every time you read the word of God or uh, go to a service, it's not going to be one of those, shouldn't be one of those services where God has not touched on an area in your life that requires attention. He's a God of order. He's a God of structure. He is a God of guidelines. He is a God of standards. He is a God of principles. Yes, he is. Once again, anything without rules, relationships, guidelines is not a relationship. It's a free for all. It should be exclusive. Come on now. Come on now. It should be exclusive. Let me come to my close here. I pray that tonight has been a blessing to you as I get ready to jump off. I want to take a moment and just provide some solutions. I want to provide some solutions. I've been on a, how long have I been on now? Yeah, good time. I want to provide some solutions because I can get on here and point out in judges about a whole lot of things and point out some things. and At the end of the day, we need solutions. So the first thing I want to share with you as a solution is we need more fathers in the faith. Listen to this, who will not only teach us, but show us how to correctly apply what we have learned. I give you some scriptures for that 1 Corinthians 4:15 Acts 22:3 2 Kings 2 and 1 Corinthians Paul says listen we got many teachers but not enough fathers. We need more fathers. Because a father is not only going to tell you but a father is going to show you. A father is going to help you. A father is going to correct you. A father is going to direct you thank you for the teachers but we need some true spiritual fathers in the faith out there to teach us and guide us and correct us help us and shame on us those of us that are now because some of the generals have passed on and you now have become the father and you won't open your mouth you won't correct you won't direct and i know some of us don't want to listen and that's fine but the, but but you know you got to get the blood off of you the, the lord told the prophet he says listen they didn't listen to me. I know they're not going to listen to you, but just so they cannot say there was not a prophet, I still need you to say what I'm going to tell you. He came back another time and he said, Listen, if you don't sound the alarm and the person comes in to destroy the people, the blood is on your hands. But if you sound the alarm and they don't and they still don't listen, the blood is not is no longer on your hands. So if you are a father in the faith. So many great generals have passed on. So many other fathers are getting older and it's time now for us to step up and take up that mantle and help these younger people to understand God. I understand they may have a different sound. That's fine. But you still not can. You cannot get away from the tenets of the faith. You cannot get away from the Holy Spirit. You cannot get away from the Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot get away from God, the creator of heaven and earth. You cannot get away from the foundation, the word of God. And we need fathers to help us. So if you're out there, fathers, we need you to step up to the plate. To instruct, to direct, to correct, to impart. It's fathers that give the name. I know somebody's not going to like that, but it was Adam that gave his wife her name. Come on. I know somebody's not going to like that. Fathers that has been given, that responsibility has been given to you by God. Old covenant, the fathers laid their hands on their children and pronounced blessing, told them who they were going to be, told them what was right, told them where they were going, told them what to do. Come on. Now Moses did it. Joshua did it. Come on. Fathers, we need you to be what you're supposed to be, to not relinquish your voice. Come on. Next thing I look at as a solution, we have to keep the boundaries God has set. This will keep us safe. For those of you that believe you you got something new, you got a new revelation, the Bible already says there's nothing new under the sun. What is is what shall be. What has is what's already happened. So there's nothing that you've done. The Bible says, so just as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be at the coming of the Lord. So there's nothing that's going on that's new. So if you think you've got some new revelation, you need to go to God and ask him, God, please don't let me be under a strong delusion. God, please don't let me be under the spirit of the Antichrist and be blinded by my own ambition, by my own desires, by my own creation in my mind. God, help me to see your word and what your word says and to apply your word correctly. Not my heart, but your word, your word. God, help me to apply your word. God, help me to not go outside of your boundaries. Well, I'm not under the law. Jesus said it. OK, Jesus said it. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Jesus said it. If you love me, you'll do what I say. So, so much for this whole thing of no rules, no guidelines. There must be boundaries and boundaries are there to keep you safe. Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. You better make you better rest assured in what you say you confess and believe You can. I'm once again talking to believers in Jesus Christ as the son of God. Amen. That what you believe can be proven in correct context by scripture. Deuteronomy 28, if you hearken diligently, and then he lays out the blessings and he lays out the cursings, come on. Keep the boundaries God has set that will keep you safe. Lastly, test your spiritual revelation by the written word of God seeking his will and not your personal will I want to go to first Thessalonians first Thessalonians first Thessalonians first Thessalonians we're about to jump off I hope this is a blessing I know it is let's go to Thessalonians let's look at Fifth chapter, First Thessalonians, the fifth chapter. For those of you that are on, thank you for joining a Pastor's Perspective tonight. I'm Pastor Kelvin. And it simply says, I'm going to read at the 19th verse, start at the 19th verse. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies. But look at what he says in verse 21. But test everything that is said and hold on to what is good. Verse 22, stay away from every kind of evil. But verse 21 says, Test everything. Test everything. You got to test it. Let's look at Galatians. Galatians, the first chapter. Galatians, the first chapter. Test your what you believe against what the word of God says. Galatians 1 and 8. As a matter of fact, for context sake, let's go to verse seven. But is not the good news, but this is not good news at all. You are being fooled by those who who are deliberately twisting the truth concerning Christ. Look at what he says in verse eight. And this is for those of you that don't want to test what you say you hear, what you dreamed about. This is what he says. But let God's curse fall on anyone including us or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preached. I say again what we have said before. If anyone preaches any other good news than the one you welcome, let that person be cursed. And he ends this way. Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but God if pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. For those of you that keep saying you angels are visiting you. Uh, you were in a deep dream and a deep sleep and having all these revelations. If what you are seeing cannot be substantiated by Scripture, be careful. If what you are saying God is telling you contradicts what he has already said, somebody's wrong. There's a song, I know the Bible is right. Somebody's got to be wrong. Is it God? Is it his word? Or is it you? And here is the thing. There's a demon prince by the name of Leviathan. The Bible calls him the prince of the sons or the children of the proud. When you take pride or too much pride in the fact that you've heard a voice or you've had a dream, you will not entertain the fact that you could be under a strong delusion. It couldn't be me. I know God talks to me. I know I saw an angel. I know I saw this. I know I saw that. And what you are doing is taking pride in that stuff. And you are not going to the word of God to substantiate what God is saying or what you, what you believe you heard. Some of you all, if God was talking as much as you say you're hearing, you would go crazy. Do you understand God is eternal? He's infinite? Test these spiritual revelations. The Bible says even of the Bereans, they were eager to know, but everything that was taught to them, they didn't. They went to the word that they had at the time to test what was being taught to them by scripture to see if what was said was true. Y'all, I feel the Holy Ghost right there. I really sense... presence. I need to stay there for a moment because maybe you are under a strong delusion. Maybe somebody you know is under a delusion. Maybe you're not listening to uh, the authority, the assigned authority in your life, your your, your leader, your pastor. Maybe you believe the voice that you heard and that one voice that you heard, you're shutting down everything else. Uh, You're shutting down the truth of God's word. Don't you know by a voice? We have the doctrine of inclusion. Don't you know by a voice? We have all types of strengths. Moves, Don't you know by a voice, people come into the house of God, they bark like dogs, they wallow on the floor like snakes, and they call that a move of God, making the Holy Spirit look like a sideshow. Don't you know by a voice, people are saying they don't have control when one of the fruits of the Spirit, I just got to stay there, is self-control. Come on now, if you are doing, saying, or believing anything that is opposite of the Bible, the God, the Jesus. Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit that you say you believe in, you need to ask God to help you. I'm sorry. Well, I know I can do it. I'm gifted to do it. Paul said all things are lawful, but it's not helpful. I know you're gifted. I know you're smart. I know you went to school. I know you're talented. I know you can command the attention, but that does not make you God's pastor. Come on, come on, come on, come on. If God's word is there to help us, to guide us, why do we despise it? I need to do a whole live on why we hate the Bible because the arguments will come up. Well, a man wrote the Bible. Well, didn't the Bible say? The word was God breathed and it was given by inspiration of the Holy Ghost. We'll say things like they're different translations and all of you mean to tell me an eternal God is not wise enough and smart enough to know what he wants us to have at the time. So God is smart enough until it comes to an area we disagree with and then God made a mistake. I'm just trying to help somebody tonight. Test your spiritual revelation. Test it. Test it, test it, test it. Church, we've got to get back in order. The world doesn't respect us because we look like them now. We sound like them now. We act like them now. We've become a sideshow. We've become a sideshow to the people. We're supposed to give something different. We talk like, we act like, we sound like, we want to sing like, and God has given you a great gift. God has given you a great ability, but what God has given you isn't enough. Don't you know the world tries to duplicate the sound of the church? When was serving God not enough? When was being in relationship with God? And the only way you can do that is through his son, Jesus Christ, and through his word, through prayer, and through teaching. But now, I'll just catch a five-minute clip of some foolishness, and that's the word of God. No, 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 no. And we're so desensitized. We're so desensitized. We've forgotten God, just like, just like in the book of Judges. The Bible says in a generation grew that didn't know God like the elders did, like Joshua did. They didn't see him deliver. They didn't get the testimony. And shame on those of us that are producing a generation that have no respect for how holy God is. God is supposed to now bend to their will and their desire and not the other way around. We've created a context where God serves us and we don't serve God. We are so desirous of what liberties we have. And here's my concern with that. This is what I can do. This is what I can do. And so now we want to get as close to sinning without sinning. We want to get as close to it. We want to get as close to doing what we used to do as if living for God is burdensome. The Bible says his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Where are you, church? Where are the people that want to please God? Where are the people that want a real relationship? You don't want an open relationship. You You don't want an open relationship. You want a real relationship. You want something exclusive. If everybody can get what I'm getting right now, then there's no need for me to be in a relationship with you. Where are the people that love Jesus, that understand his sacrifice for you, that understand if it had not been for him? Oh, how great the judgment would have been. Where are the people that appreciate his sacrifice on Calvary's cross? Where are the people that want a relationship so with Christ that they want to know what pleases Him, not how He can please them? Where are the people? Where are the believers? Where is the church that are eager for this type of truth? Where is the church that's eager for the gospel? Where is the church that's eager for the Word of God? Not a lot of sideshow antics. You know, I'm talking about the people where if there's no organ, if there's no drummer, but the pastor gets up and gives you the word of God line by line, precept by precept, giving you the unadulterated gospel in truth with accuracy and precision. You are just as activated and excited about that as you are about jumping up and down, running and falling on the floor. And here is my problem. I don't care if you fall on the floor, if you're still getting up a liar, if you're still getting up unregenerated, if you're still getting up unrepentant, what does it matter if you fall down, if you're not changing the Holy spirit and his word are the things that are going to bring change. I'm here today to decree order in the house, order in the house. His word shall stand. Let God be true. Let everybody else be a liar. I'm coming to my closing right now. I don't care how you feel personally when you read what I think. What you think is not significant. What I feel. How you feel. The Bible is not based on how you feel. It's based on the truth of God. You should get joy that Christ died for you. And that every day of your life, you get to live for him, knowing that he loved you enough to die for you, to suffer for you, that you have the right now, should you close your eyes, when the time comes, you will open them up in eternity to be present with the Lord Jesus Christ. I got a smile on my face about that. That's what we're excited about. That is the gospel. Not that you can do what you want to do, live how you want to live, play how you want to play the Adams Family. no. You get joy thinking about the gospel, the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, what his blood means for me. The acts that he worked through his apostles, how he gave us a foundation, how my life has forever been changed for the better because of who I serve. Not who serves me, who we serve. going too far, church. It's time to come back in. Pastor, you got to get your backbone. Stop preaching what the people want to hear. God's been talking to you. He's told you to get back to the word. He's told you to get away from all these clever cliches and get back to the word. Why haven't you obeyed him? Why haven't you obeyed him? Why are you lying to the people? Blood is going to be required at our hands. Yep, you may lose some folk, but the world is supposed to hate us anyway. Come on, come on, come on, saint of God, child of God. Yes, there are guidelines. Yes, there are rules. Yes, there are regulations. Yes, there are standards. You're not following a checklist just for a checklist, but when you're in relationship, see the problem is there's been no discipleship because when you've been discipled, that means you're under discipline. When you've been discipled, you are like that person and you're under the discipline of the person that's taught you. Discipleship in itself comes from the word, the the root there is discipline. Disciples are supposed to be disciplined. We want to be unrestrained. Come on, come on, come on. I know we don't want to hear that. I know we don't want to hear that. Order in the church, order in the house. Come on, believer. Come on, believer. Yeah, you can do what you want to do. Yeah, you can say what you want to say, but there's consequence for everything. Relationship brings intimacy. You want to be intimate. You want to to get more out of the Lord? Get into his word. Learn what pleases him. And strive to please him. And you won't have to worry about a checklist. You won't worry. You won't be living your life saying, I didn't lie today. I didn't cheat today. I didn't steal today. I didn't sleep around today. I didn't get drunk today. No, 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 no. We're not talking about that. We're talking about getting to a place where I'm living to love my Lord. And because I love him, I do things to please him. So I don't have to worry about a checklist. My life is a sacrifice of love because he sacrificed his life because he loved me. Am I talking good out there? So don't worry about no checklist. Just love him. And as you love him, the relationship will grow and you'll begin to realize I don't want to do those things because it'll hurt the one I say that I love. Listen, this is Pastor Kelvin coming to you tonight. From a pastor's perspective, I pray that tonight was a blessing to you. I pray that it challenged you. I pray that it encouraged you. All of those good things. And I stand here as someone, or I sit here, excuse me, as someone that is a sinner saved by grace. That if it had not been for the love of God, if it had not been for his son, Jesus Christ, even after I got saved and gave my life to Christ the mistakes that I've made, the errors that I've made. Whoa. But I don't bathe in what's past. I thank God because I'm a new creation. That's why I love him. Not because of my house, not because of my car, not because of my job, because I understand heathens have those things. But I can't replace the joy that I have. I can't substitute what he's done for me. So I love him. I want to please him. I want to make him happy. And I hope that you feel the same way about our Savior. Let's look to the Lord. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your people on tonight. We pray that you bless them. We pray that understanding an application comes out of tonight. We pray that what was sown fall on fertile ground. We pray for your order. We pray for your direction. We pray for your governing over our lives once again, O God. You didn't liberate us to go back into sin. You didn't give us grace that sin may abound. But God, you're an exceptional God, and you knew that we would need it. So Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, bless your people on tonight. Strengthen them, encourage them, help them. Lord, you love them so much that you died for all of us. You died for us. What greater sacrifice can anybody give than that? While we were still ungodly, while we were still unrighteous, you thought about us. And God, in the name of Jesus, we repent for forgetting about you. We forget for creating a Jesus of our own creation and not loving the Jesus of the Bible. We repent. We lay down our false gods. We lay down our incorrect ideologies. We lay down our opinions or how we feel or what we think. And we pick up your word to see what you have already said. Now, God, let us apply what you've given us. Let us apply it correctly to please you help us be with us. It's in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, our Redeemer. Amen. And praise God. Listen, praise God for you guys on tonight. Thank you for taking time out of your night to be with me on this evening. Some of you came into the room. Some of you stayed out of the room and watched afar off. However, I'm glad to those of you that are on the podcast hearing this. Thank you for taking the time to listen. I pray that this is a blessing or was a blessing to you. Join me next Thursday night at 7 p.m. I'll have special guest Bishop Carl Parrott and Pastor A.A. Dix. And we'll be we'll be having another discussion called Bewitched by the Culture. I'm looking I'm looking forward to having that discussion. Listen, and while I'm at it, take a moment and go to uh, Apple, go to Google and download my podcast, A Pastor's Perspective. You'll see me. Let me move out of the way amen you'll see that picture go ahead and download subscribe listen join in and share it help me out let's build my podcast platform I love what I do and I enjoy doing it I pray that somebody is blessed or was blessed by it tonight listen I've enjoyed my time with you and as always until we speak peace abide. Welcome Welcome to to A Pastor's Pastor's Perspective.
1: Now life is full of heartache, struggle, and pain, but the way we see it, we overcome because he overcame. We ought to always pray, and everything that we do, we do it in Jesus' name. Now, a pastor is a shepherd, he's not selfish, he's friendly. He's a, he's a helper, a pastor is a teacher, a is a teacher. Faithful. faithful, sensible, he's much more than, just a, more than just, a just a preacher, a leader, a leader. Well, respected. well respected, and this, and well, this, well, this, well, well, this well
0: this my well friend is a pastor's perspective. perspective.